Hi, everyone. You are listening to Start Inspired. I am your host, Samantha March. This is my podcast designed to give you a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation, helping you start inspired and stay inspired. I am so excited to share today's episode because I have a new guest on today. And today I am welcoming on author Wendy Francis. Now, Wendy is someone who I have read almost all of her books, if not all of her books, I think. And I have reviewed quite a few of them on my book blog, which is chickletplus.com. And Wendy has a new book that she just released. And I was talking to her about it and me reviewing it on my blog. And I thought, I'll just ask her if she wants to come on the podcast because I know a lot of listeners really enjoy hearing from authors. I have had some authors on in the past and I get so much good feedback and so many more questions that come in and it just seems like the listeners enjoy hearing from authors. So I thought I'll just ask Wendy if she wants to do it. And she said yes. And I enjoyed our conversation so, so much. It was such a joy chatting with her. And I felt like we could have talked forever. We cover a lot in there from how she started writing. She has some fantastic tips uh, for aspiring authors. And if you're looking for uh, an agent or author representation, we talk about how she is handling the quarantine and working from home and also trying to write her next book. And again, it was just a conversation I really enjoyed having. So we're going to jump into that first. And then I have two segments to finish off the podcast episode with this week. I have the beauty word, which is where I give a beauty recommendation. And then I also have an update to the 30 day challenge calendar. But first, I'm going to jump into my conversation with Wendy Francis. So Wendy Francis is a former book editor and the author of four novels, Best Behavior, The Summer Sale, The Summer of Good Intentions, and Three Good Things. She was born and raised in the Midwest and now lives outside Boston with her husband and 11-year-old son. So let's jump into my conversation with Wendy Francis. All right, Wendy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be talking to you and meeting you, if only over the podcast, but finally to hear your voice in real life. Yes, this is going to be so fun. And before we get started, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. So um, let's see, I'm a mom to an 11-year-old boy. I am also a stepmom to two kids who are in college, one who is supposed to be graduating this May, Mm. actually. Um, and then um, I was, I'm also a former book editor. I worked at Houghton Mifflin Company for over a decade here in Boston and, um, and an author. And uh, my new book, Best Behavior, is just out this month. And um, I'm very excited to share it with the world. It's, uh, it's my fourth novel. And um, I'm delighted to get the chance to talk with you about it. Yeah. Yes. I'm so excited. And I think I probably just found you through my book blog, which is Chicklet Plus, but uh-huh. um, I read so many authors that way. And it's so cool to be able to read books and um, even the chance to read some early to get my reviews up and out there. And um, I'm just, I'm so glad I started it all the way back in 2009, but it's really connected me with so many other amazing authors and just people who yeah. love books. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were kind of on the cutting edge of it all, I think, before any of us yeah. really knew how important social media was going to be. And and now here we are in a quarantine. So right. it's even more important. But Right. Yeah. It, it is so crazy to think about. And yeah, because I can remember starting and you know, people not really understanding what I was doing or why I was doing it, or are you mm-hmm. making money from that? Or like, right. what's the point? What's your end goal of this? Right. And it, it's just so funny to like fast forward 11 years and to see where I am. You knew. And people be like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. You knew before <laughs> the rest funny. of us did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you've been such a great supporter too. I, I know you have tons of followers for, for all of your your um, makeup insights and all of your your YouTube videos, but you've also really um, been a great boon for for authors. So thank you for all you've been doing to support us. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. I, yeah, I, I mean, books are just, I feel like books were one of my first loves. I mean, from a little girl, it just, yeah. books just do something to you and move you. And I just can't imagine 
a life without books. <laughs> I mean, well said. Just, yeah. <laughs> Me just, too. I just can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. So I know a lot of my listeners just love when I have authors on the podcast, and they also really love to hear about how authors got started. So um, I know that you were in law and then you moved to book editing, but what made you transition to writing your first book? <laughs> well, it's it's funny you say that I was in law. I was really only in law school for a semester. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm a law school dropout. I'm proud of I it. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah, I couldn't stand it. I was so miserable. Um, <laughs> and so I sort of, I went back home to, I was out here in Boston for law school and, and undergrad. And I went back home to Wisconsin and kind of hung out for a few months with my family trying to figure out what's next. And um, I ended up taking the Radcliffe Publishing course, which is now the Columbia Publishing course and um, is a wonderful introduction to publishing. And um, I'd always, like you, loved books and loved writing. I thought, and my mom was always a big supporter of, well, why don't you try something, you know, that has to do with publishing and the editorial world in some sense. So that was how I kind of got my toe into it. And then um, I lucked out getting a job as an editorial assistant in Houghton Mifflin here in Boston. Um, And it's funny because originally I thought I wanted to be involved in magazines and women's magazines in particular. Mm -hmm. So I went to New York and interviewed out all these magazines and I slept on this couch of a friend of mine for like three weeks. She'll never let me forget it because she basically, she fed me for three weeks and baked Uh. apple pies for me. And anyway, but I was such a Wisconsin girl. I was such a Midwesterner. You know, I was out Mm -hmm. of place in New York and I really didn't feel at home there. So I was so excited when I um, got an offer to come back to Boston and and start out at Houghton Mifflin. And I worked for um, a literary fiction editor there and also um, um, the poetry editor there. And it was just a great exposure to... um, everything from, you know, editorial to how marketing works, to how publicity works, you really get a a good overview of all of that. Um, And so I think I was very fortunate to um, get into publishing that way. And then as you do in publishing, you kind of climb the the ladder, it's um, it's very old fashioned that way. It's still very much an apprenticeship, you know. You you learn mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. doing, um, and so was an editor there and um, started working on my own books, some fiction, some biography, some narrative nonfiction, um, and after that, I worked at a smaller press in Boston called uh, DeCapo. Um, and then when my son was born, about eleven years ago now, um you know, I was doing a lot of late night feedings <laughs> and thinking <laughs> about huh, what's next. And, you know, I've always, I guess, wanted to, to try my hand at writing. Um, but you never know if you can really do it. And editing is such a different process from actually having to create something from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. but I figured it was as good a time as any to start with my son home. Um, and I, I kind of started tapping out, you know, short chapters and, eventually it uh, evolved into a manuscript and um, I sent it out to a couple of, of agent friends who read it and told me that it was all right, but I should probably do some revising and they were absolutely right. And so I spent <laughs> probably another, I don't know, six to eight months revising and sent it out again um, and got an agent and, um, and then she sent it out to a handful of publishers and, and I was lucky enough to, to make a match. So that's kind of the twisty, turvy <laughs> route that my um my writing career has taken. Yeah. I think it's so interesting something that you said that you, you know, thought of writing for magazines and women's magazines because mm-hmm. I was actually the same way. Oh, because okay. when I was in high school and thinking about what I wanted to do, I mean, the magazine industry was where it was at. That's where I learned so much was from Seventeen magazine right. and yeah. then you know Cosmo magazine yeah. and even Shape magazine. Yeah, I yeah I loved those those magazines. So I had dreams of moving to New York as well and trying to get an internship and mm-hmm. all of that. And um, did you, you know, ever I, try it? Did you ever move to New York? Or I 
I didn't. I I always thought about it. And then mm-hmm. once we got closer to my senior year, my we unfortunately went through a lot as a family, um, especially when I was in high school. And um, I just, I knew that I didn't have the type of money to just kind of like yes. move away. And right. I, you know, I didn't have any connections there. Right. This was before the yeah. internet and social media was yeah. really big. So I was like, I just don't know what to do. And right. um I also told myself with writing a book, I was like, you know, that's like, to me, it was like making it in Hollywood. Like you not (laughs) only have to be uber talented, but you have to have connections and, Mm. you know, you you have to put your book out there at the right time to Mm -hmm. be able to make a match. And I just, I didn't have a lot of confidence at the time, which looking back makes me really, really sad. But I told myself, go to college and graduate. And if you still want to write a book after you graduate, then, you know, I'm giving you permission to write that book. (laughs) And, you know, I went to college still here in Iowa. And before it was my senior year, I started to write what then became my first novel. So that was your senior year in college? And my wow. senior year in college, I started writing it. And then um, it took a it took a bit. It took a bit to write it. And then the editing process, just learning everything when sure. I was first coming out was such a different experience. So uh, it ended up being 2011 that I published my first book. But I, I could never get it out of my head, even though I thought this is a far off dream or this is right. something that I, I can't make happen because I've had too many obstacles in my life. I just, I could never get it out of my head. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, That's- sometimes I look back and I wish I would have tried, but. But you know what you <laughs> need okay. to, yeah, no, I, th- I think things have worked out very well for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as they, yeah. yeah, you know, and you, as they say, you always need to go through what you go through to get to where you are. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, so much of it has to do with timing and serendipity too, I think. Um, yeah. And if you had gone to New York, who knows, you might've been miserable too. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It could have derailed a lot of things. Right. And you know, a, a lot of my, especially my earlier books, there's a lot of my college stories written into them and mm-hmm. you know, maybe I wouldn't have had that. I mean, you just, you never know. I met my husband in college, so right. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of things, but. Exactly. Yeah, it's just funny to hear you say that. Um, okay, so we, you kind of touched on how you were able to start um, writing and, and looking for a publisher, but I also get a lot of questions from people that are very curious about the publishing process because I, I guess it's maybe just not very well known. And actually, um, my most recent podcast episode that came out, so the one that aired before this one, Will, was actually all about publishing because, I mean, I get emails and messages daily from people asking, does it cost money to you know, self-publish mm-hmm. a title on Kindle Direct Publishing or do I have to h- hire an editor or... You know, just I get questions every single day, so I decided to just put a whole podcast episode about it, and you know, yeah. hopefully, people found it helpful. But um, would you want to talk about your own experience in publishing, and at maybe just any insights that you might have to offer? Because people sure. find this really fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think I had a little bit of a. Um, an advantage, I guess, just in mm-hmm. that I had been on the other side of the editorial desk for yeah. a while. So I sort of knew how that process worked um, th- better than I would have certainly if I hadn't, um, you know, been at Houghton Mifflin and I, and the Radcliffe publishing course too, or Columbia publishing mm-hmm. course now. Yeah. Um, it was a great um, place to kind of give me an overview of how the process worked. I think, mm-hmm. you know, there are lots of ways to do it these days. I think self-publishing yeah. is has become a huge um, boon and lots of people are, are trying that route. Um, mm-hmm. And and some people are meeting with terrific success. I think it, you know, yeah. it can be, it depends on what your, you know, what your goals are, I guess I would say, and what kind of uh, content or what kind of story you're trying to tell, um, Mm -hmm. for more traditional, um, you know, women's fiction, kind of commercial fiction, that's the world, I guess, that I know best. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, 
I do think a lot of people, um, you know, if you want to get your foot in the door at some of the bigger publishing houses, um, many, most of which are in New York, um, Mm -hmm. an agent really does help. Um, and I, you know, my best piece of advice, and someone told me this too, when I was starting out, just look at the books that you love to read and, um, that are sort of in the same vein of what you're doing, whether it's self-help or a cookbook or narrative nonfiction, um, or fiction and see who, who the agents are, who's thanked in the acknowledgements. Yeah. It's really as yep. simple as that because everybody <laughs> these days thanks their agent and, you know, their editor. Um, and most editors don't um, accept unsolicited manuscripts mm-hmm. these days yep. because they're just so overwhelmed as it is. Um, so, you know, except for when you're, um, maybe trying to get an essay or a piece published in a paper, I wouldn't advise emailing an editor directly, even if you can <laughs> do some sleuthing and find, <laughs> find them online just because they get swamped with stuff like that. And I think they, yeah. they're more bound to pay attention if it comes from an agent. So I would, you know, but do send those emails to agents and query them and see, um, you know, even if you send, give a quick synopsis um, and a couple in a paragraph, even what your book is about. And if you have any other previous publications, that's the other thing um, that I guess I would advise even before starting out with an agent. If you can get little articles published online mm-hmm. in literary journals, um, you know, some of those places like Slate and Salon, and there are tons of great um, literary kinds of magazines that are publishing um, pieces uh, by all sorts of kinds of, of writers. And if you can sort of list in your agent letter, oh, you know, I've had an essay or an article appear here, here, and here, or even in my local paper or whatever it might be, that helps, I think, to get an agent to, to pay attention. Um, and then to enclose maybe, you know, the first 20 pages um, of your manuscript. And, yeah. and send it out to a bunch. You could, you, that's the other misconception. I think people think, oh, I should only send it to one agent at a time. Mm-hmm. No, you can send it to, you know, send it to 10, 20 agents at a time. And if yeah. people are interested, they'll get back to you. Yeah. I think that's real. I think that's great advice. Everything that you said there. And it's, it's so funny because one thing you said, I actually did touch on in my publishing episode where I said, go to books that you think are mm-hmm. going to be similar to yours and look at those acknowledgements. Who are they thanking? And then yep. Google search them. <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> you're probably going to find someone. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it is with the social media, it is such a small world in some ways. Mm-hmm. I think with resources like LinkedIn, you can kind of see who's connected to whom in the business. Um, so I think there are a lot of different avenue, avenues now to approach people. The The problem that I found when I was an editor is that, you know, people, it, there's a fine line, I guess, between being proactive and being harassing when, yeah. <laughs> when you're pursuing someone. And so that's why I think agent, having an agent as a middle person mm-hmm. is kind of a good idea because once you get an agent, the agent can do all the, um, you know, all the hand wringing and, and sort of knocking on the door of the editor to say, Hey, have you taken a look at this manuscript yet? And what do you think? And, and yeah. um, that's where that's kind of, kind of useful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for you, so do you have an agent yourself then? I do. Yeah. You do. Okay. Um, yeah. My agent's Meg Ruley at the Jane Rock- oh. Rosen Agency in New York. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And, she- and they, so they do, cause I'm, I'm fully self-published. So, uh-huh. um, so they they get to do they do like all your pitching and um, different things like that to the publishing companies, right? Yeah. So they yeah. would okay. Yeah, they would pitch a new manuscript, um, and then I mean, once you sort of find your place at a publishing company, then you tr- mm-hmm. then um, sometimes authors do you know two book deals, so you're with that house for. Um, a few years at least. Um, and, but yeah, they're the ones who sort of negotiate the contract and contracts are so mm-hmm. Byzantine these days mm-hmm. that honestly, oh, yeah. you, I don't know uh, what your experience has been, but I just, it's yeah. nice to have someone there who has some sort of um, legal sense about what to question yeah. <laughs> in contracts yeah. um, and to be your advocate. So um, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I bet that's so great to have because there is, I mean, there's 
I did a collaboration recently with a makeup brand, but of course there was a contract involved. Uh-huh. And I can remember getting it for the first time and being like, okay, I'm going to have to Google a lot of terms here. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. To make I, sure I know what I'm doing. Yes. And most agencies have their own contracts department who can figure all that out for you and they can flag yeah. it. And um, yeah, it's, it, that's kind of stuff is worth a million dollars. You have to think about yeah. it. Um, that's amazing. I should also say, just as a afterthought, um, you know, before people send stuff to agents, I, I'm not sure. I don't think the that my agency right now is accepting new submissions, so it's mm-hmm. always a good thing, good idea to go check online yeah. first because all the agencies yeah. have websites, and it may be yep. that some of them are eager and looking for new material. And lots of times, the younger agents at a house will list the different categories yeah. that they're looking for in particular. Um, but do check their website before you um, go off sending them a bunch of stuff because if they're yeah. not accepting, they're not going to look at it, and then you'll just be frustrated and wondering why haven't I heard anything right so yeah that is a great tip because I can remember before I published my first book I I I had a pretty good idea that I wanted to do self-publishing just Mm -hmm. my my degree is in business with an emphasis in entrepreneurship I've Uh, always wanted to be my own boss like uh so when so you know what you're doing (laughs) yeah when self-publishing became a thing I was like that's what I want to do but then there was always this weird part of me that was like that's not how the book industry has always gone though like Mm -hmm. should I query an agent so I mean I looked into it I ended up querying a whole three (laughs) agents I was like I'm gonna send out three and then that's gonna be good enough Uh, like I mean I very clearly knew what I wanted to do but yeah um I can even though that was I mean, a decade ago, I can remember that even then there was websites and they would say, you know, we're looking for chick lit or women's Uh fiction. So definitely if you are an aspiring author, you have a manuscript done, make sure to do your homework first because you don't want to send your chick lit query to someone who only focuses on sci-fi or just the complete, it's just going to be a waste of everyone's time. And you're never going to, you you know, because some agents don't even write back to say like, no, like, no, thank you. You just don't get a response at all. (laughs) So you'll go crazy. Like what? And how demoralizing is that? Nobody wants that, yeah. right? So, yeah, right. Um, but that is part of it too. You just have to get used to rejection. And, you yeah. know, I, I feel like I have this conversation with my 11-year-old too. You know, everything's so subjective. You can't, Oh, yeah, yeah it's hard to be rejected at this house or that house or by this editor. But um, but just, just as we are ourselves when we're readers, you know, there are mm-hmm. things that are our cup of tea and there are other things that are bestsellers that aren't my cup of tea. You know, it just, I think it really depends on yeah. your reading tastes and your writing tastes. So you can't, I mean, that's the other big takeaway is that you can't take this personally. You just have to believe in yourself and um, keep yeah. going. And eventually, you know, someone will recognize your potential. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. That was really so interesting. So thank you for sharing all of that. Um, To switch it just a little bit, you know, I know we chatted a bit before this, before we went live, but, you know, as a world, we're all going through something right now um, and no one's not being affected by by COVID-19. But um, so first I wanted to ask how you're doing personally, because I read that uh, homeschooling is not your calling. (laughs) (laughs) But also, also professionally, uh, how have you had to make a change during this time, especially with a a book releasing? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for asking. We're all, we're all doing fine. We're healthy here. Thank you. Knock on wood. You're all healthy Mm -hmm. where you are too, I hope. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Um, Yeah. You know, honestly, I'm going a little bit stir crazy, which, you know, mm-hmm. I probably have no right to complain about, but I will since you asked and, yeah. and having, um, having an 11 year old at home and, and we're now in week 10 of homeschooling has, has been no joke. <laughs> Just the, oh, the, um, yeah, the amount of work that comes home and God bless the teachers. I mean, they are trying their hardest to do, you know, everything yeah. remotely. So, um, I don't envy them, their position at all. Um, but there is something about trying to deal with technology with an 11 year old and, you know, toggling between Google classroom to, other assignments that they need to read. And it's just, it's a lot, I think, for them 
to handle. And sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. So um, yes, even though I come from a family of teachers, I've discovered that I am a terrible homeschool <laughs> teacher and I, don't, <laughs> I really don't have the patience for it. And um, so, yeah, so it's been a bit of a challenge for my son and I to, um, for my son and me to figure out, you know, to find that happy balance. But I think we're finally, now that we're in week 10, we're we're yeah. kind of getting into a routine where, you know, and we're also sharing a computer, which makes it difficult. So, um, oh, sure. so, but anyway, I think, you know, that in itself has been a bit of a, of a challenge and, um, and my husband's working from home too. So we're all mm-hmm. online at the same time or different times, but, um, yeah. you know, we can't, we just, we're, I think we're excited to get back to some kind of normal, whatever that is. And yet at the same time, don't want to rush things because when you do hear stories of people who, you know, and love who've been affected by this, um, it's devastating. So we're all pretty wary and in Boston, everyone's, you know, we are kind of a hotspot. So everyone's wearing their, their face masks out and about, we're Mm -hmm. doing lots of birthday party kind of drive-bys with signs and car honking, um, and trying to, you know, to do our part in social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do not have, um, children yet. So homeschooling is not something I had to take on, but I was like, wow, I have mad respect for everyone trying to do that. (laughs) I have no idea where I would even begin if that was me. Like, I can't imagine. Oh my. Yeah. And I, and I only have one who I really have to homeschool and I have friends who have four little ones, you know, all under the age of 15 and they're trying to homeschool four different levels. And it's just, and especially if you're trying to work from home too. Yeah. I was going to say you're trying to do everything. Yeah. It's amazing. I just I have a lot of respect for a lot of people who are doing a lot more than me right now. Like I'm, you know, both me and my husband can keep working. I've I continue to work from home. That's all I do. And so when people ask me how I am, I'm like, you know, not a whole lot has changed for me. I'm a homebody. I don't really go anywhere anyways. Like I mean, really the biggest thing that affected me was traveling. I do travel quite a bit for work and, you know, obviously all that got grounded, but Mm -hmm. I I mean, otherwise I'm like, I I don't know. I'm eating better because I'm cooking more. (laughs) See, you're you're one of those people who's who's losing weight and getting in better shape while the rest of us are, you know, pulling our hair out, haven't showered in two days, whatever. (laughs) I'm like, I'm very lucky right now. You're what I aspire to, Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Oh, that's funny. Um, So, so, yeah. Yeah, just to answer your question about, you know, work from home, then yeah. my whole routine has changed completely right. because I really haven't gotten any work done in the past eight weeks or so. So wow. um, I've been writing little pieces here and there and articles, but but um, I'm supposed to be working on revisions for my next mm. novel that's coming out next summer. And um, oh, exciting! needless to say, I've done nothing. <laughs> Don't tell my editor, but, um, yeah, yeah, so it's just kind of hard. And I don't know about you, but the first few weeks, I really had a hard time concentrating on anything, even reading. And that's, that's my go-to, that's my escape. And I would pick up some of my favorite books and I couldn't, I couldn't even, um, immerse myself in them. So that was a strange feeling. Um, but then I picked up. Elizabeth Strout's Olive again. I don't know if you've read it yet, but uh-uh. um, it's wonderful. It's about uh, a crotchety older lady who speaks mm-hmm. her mind, and it's just so much fun and so entertaining. And <laughs> that got me back into reading, so now I can oh, read again. That's that's great, and you know, honestly, I'm kind of glad that you've said that because I it's I'm currently writing my ninth book, and oh, it's a part gosh. of a series. I have. I have a six part series out with three books are out. And so I'm writing the fourth one in that series. And I mean, I'm getting messages every single day because, you know, each one kind of ends on a cliffhanger. And Uh, as we move to the next character and I'm getting messages every day from readers, like when's the next one? When's the next one? And I mean, when everything started to hit, I felt frozen and I would write words and I'd be like, what are you writing? This is all crap. Like, (laughs) 
and I've tried to get back into it, but I'm pretty sure my first three chapters will all have to be rewritten. But I'm oh, like, yeah. don't focus on the rewrites right now. Just keep right. going. Exactly. Just write the story right. and you can go back and change yep. even a whole chapter. You can change things. Right. It's fine. But I was like, you got to write words, Samantha. Right. I'm, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling right. really, really hard. <laughs> I think everyone is. Well, and just the fact that you're trying to do it speaks, I mean, it speaks volumes. That's a lot more than a lot of us can do right now, I think. So, yeah. Um, and I got, uh, okay. I was just going to say, I got 3,000 words written. I think it was like last weekend. And I shared it on my Instagram with like crying emojis. I was like, I'm just so happy I wrote real words today. Uh, like, I think I wrote something fantastic. like, I feel like a real author. <laughs> Congratulations. That's fantastic. Because I just like can't move these days. I don't know what it is. So like when you said that, I was like, I'm not alone. (laughs) Well, it's uh, it's anxiety inducing, right? And every time you try to write something, you think, does this really matter? Will anyone really care right now? So it's, I think there's that little self editor in the back of all of our minds. Um, but you know, I'm glad you shared that too, because it makes me feel better, but it, it also reminds me that it is the same sort of thing. Like, um, someone, some author said, and I'm not going to remember who it was, but I love the line that you always, even the bad pages, you have to write the bad pages to get to the good. And that's what I tell myself, even when I'm, when I know what I'm writing is awful, that, okay, I, I know the scene isn't going to be included in the book, but I still have to write this to figure out something about this character or somehow this is going to inform me yeah. and my characters later on in the book. So I'm not going to think of this as a total <laughs> waste of time because I know it's helping me get to where I'm supposed to be. Um, yes. And- I love that you said that because there was a time where I thought every word that I wrote had to like be the most perfect. Like Mm. I, and for a while I would write a thousand words and then I'd go back and read them all. And then I'd write another thousand words and then I'd go back and read them all. Uh And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, you can't work this way. Like you're driving yourself crazy. Like there, there's going to come a point where you self edit and you, you know, revise things that don't make sense, but like, you don't have to do it while you're actually writing the book. Like as long as words are coming out and things are happening, it'll all make sense in the end. (laughs) Exactly. And that's so interesting because that's how I felt when I was working on my first book, Three Good Things, Mm -hmm. because I had just come off of being an editor. And so everything Mm -hmm. I I would try to edit it as soon as I wrote it. And um, it was driving me crazy and I wasn't able to move forward at all. And and then I realized, you know, nobody cares right now if it's a gorgeous sentence. Um, You've just Mm got to kind of get the story down on the page and then you can go back. And so now I will try to edit in the morning, kind of I'll read through what I read the day before and Mm -hmm. just to get me back into the story and sort of clean that up the next day. But other than that, yeah, I think you do. You have to keep going. Otherwise it's very hard to turn off the, um, the sensors in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting what you said too, because I, I actually used to offer, um, freelance services with editing and proofreading. And I worked for, um, a publishing company for a while as an editor and proofreader also. And I think during that time, that was really when I would try to self-edit myself so hard. And I wonder if it's because I couldn't turn that part of me Uh off. And I was so used to every single day editing for other people that when I was looking back at my words, I was immediately going into editor mode. I'm like, no, you just have to be a writer right now. Right. (laughs) It's hard to to flip that switch. Yeah. I think it's probably a different side of the brain. I mean, it'd be interesting Mm -hmm. to see (laughs) or different parts, some little section, you know, there's an editing section and then the writing section. It is hard to, to turn that editor switch off and just let yourself write. Yeah. Definitely want to talk about your latest novel, which is Best Behavior because it is on sale now. So big congratulations for that. And can you share, um, you know, your inspiration for the book and why it was a story you wanted to write? Sure. Um, um, And thank you for your kind words. I am. So I, I guess when I started writing it, I was um, about to turn 50. I still can't really say that age without (laughs) having to take a breath. Um, And so I was facing all those sort of midlife existentialist questions of, you know, what's next and what does this mean? I had my two stepkids were in college. They're still in college, although one's graduated. Um, And 
Um, and a lot of my friends were also kind of at that stage in their lives where they were starting to feel some empty nest pangs um, mm-hmm. and thinking about, oh, you know, do we want a new career? Do we want to move? You know, all those kinds of questions were coming up. So that was on my mind. And then I, I love all my books are sort of set in the summer, have a summer theme to them. Um, and so I've always thought that writing about a, a college graduation would be such a fun um, setting for a book because mm-hmm. it just suggests so much. I don't know. It's the perfect fodder for catastrophe and humor yeah. and all sorts of motions. Um, so I'd always had that um, setting kind of in the back of my of my mind for a book. Um, and then the um, and then I also knew that I wanted to write about sort of the new American family in some form. And I wasn't w- sure what. And then it kind of became the splendid, extended, big, messy family that gathers together for a college graduation. That's what Best Behavior is about. I should, should have started with that. But um, mm-hmm. it's a family drama. And the the main character, Meredith, is going through these huge empty nest pangs because her two twins, Don and Cody, are about to graduate from college and then move across the country for their new jobs. And she's been in a position where she's lived... She She's um, from New Haven. She's always lived very close to the college. So she's been able to visit them on random weekends and things like that. Um, And so she has all these mixed feelings about graduation. She's, you know, joyful and excited for them and proud, but she's, it's also kind of bittersweet. And then along with that comes um, um, emotions because she knows she's going to be um, forced to rub elbows with her ex-husband, Roger, mm-hmm. who's the kid's dad, um, and his new wife of six months, Lily, who is, of course, your worst nightmare. She's, you know, mm-hmm. 20 years younger, beautiful, <laughs> thin, stunning. Mm-hmm. And so Meredith is trying very hard not to feel like the stodgy old mom at her own kid's graduation. Um, and she's determined to put on her best behavior to be sort of the Jacqueline Onassis of graduations. Um, and and I wanted, so I wanted to explore sort of the dynamics of a blended family and all the different, um, you know, uh, things, emotions that I can bring up, but also to, um, to, I think, capture a sense of this is what the American family is these days. There's so many wonderful iterations, you know, whether it's a blended yeah. family or an extended family, or you have two moms or two dads, I think that notion is really changing is much more fluid these days. Um, and I just, I love the notion that we all kind of have to, um, you know, reconfigure our families and, and just make it um, kind of a bigger pool of, of people to love and to love you back. I, I love that because I love what you said, um, especially about families, because it all looks so different these days. Um, and to have more books out there like that, I mean, truly, there's probably just more readers that can connect with it. Whereas, you know, even just a few years ago, you know, people could be reading books and thinking, wow, this is nothing like my family or I'm so different. And I I think that's such a great thing about, you know, obviously technology, but the internet and social media to, to have people not feel alone, but because we can get it still in traditional books, I think that's such a great thing. Oh, well, thank you. I hope, I hope it will resonate with people. And, you know, um, I think my, my bigger message or takeaway, if you will, was that all the characters in this book put on, you know, tremendous facades and, Mm -hmm. and try to act, um, as they think everyone would want them to behave. Um, and, and it results in all sorts of tensions and misunderstandings and only sort of when they really let their guard down and reveal their, their more authentic selves to each other, I guess, is when, mm-hmm. um, when relationships are formed and when bonds are formed. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that, and these times maybe is it's even underscored it for us more, you know, people spend a lot of time, I think, putting up, um, facades to impress other people or to make them think that there's something they're they're not and and now it's funny even as we're wearing our masks about town Mm -hmm. i think people are showing more of their real selves these days um that people aren't um 
you know, you just kind of, <laughs> you show your roots on <laughs> Instagram, you know, people <laughs> haven't had the haircut, people are, um, you know, doing Zoom chats with their kids racing around in the background and bouncing off the walls, you know, it, it's, yep. it's sort of refreshing in the, the way that we're getting to a slice of, of real life um, from other yeah. people's homes too, so. Yeah, that's true. Everyone's kind of stripped down right now and... Yeah, it is really interesting to see different, how would I say this, like just different dynamics from person to person and household to household. And um, it's kind of fascinating yeah. in a way, <laughs> I would say for There's sure. A, a um, whole other book there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm i like, I, I remember seeing one time on Twitter of someone saying like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm actually really inspired by what's going on. Like I, you know, I'm going to write a book about this situation. And all I could think was like, go you. I can't even write my own book (laughs) that I'm in the middle of a series of that I've been friends with these characters for years now. Like, good job. Way to go. (laughs) I'm sure there's going to be so many interesting books that pop up during this time because everyone's situation is different and how our perspective is different. And And it'll be interesting thing to read. Yeah. And it's funny too, because even looking back at my book and in talking with some other authors uh, like yourself on Zoom and stuff, um, you know, one person said to me, little did you know when you were writing about a college graduation that you would be writing historical fiction? And I thought, oh my gosh, you're right. You know, there's little did I know that there wouldn't be any real graduations this year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's just odd to think about that. Little did I know that it would be sort of fall into the historical fiction category now. Um, yeah. Graduation's not really happening at the moment. Um, I know. That's so sad. Ugh. It Ugh. is. And I, I hope, you know, I hope that people get a chance to reunite with their friends and families maybe yeah. sometime, even if it's in the fall, but a chance to do that. My daughter had a, a nice, there was a nice virtual graduation toast that her college did. Um, so that was sweet, but it's still, it's not the same thing, you know, you want to yeah. be able to have that milestone for your kids and to witness as, as parents too, right? It's, oh, um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It is hard. I The character I'm writing about now, she's a yoga teacher and it just feels weird writing about her going to her studio and mm-hmm. work because I'm like, that just right. I mean, that can't happen right now. Right. So it's just weird to write that. And I mean, I can't really pivot either because the book has a, a year to it. So uh-huh. I mean, that's how the series yep. has already been. So I mean, it's not even like I can change course, but right. it's just weird to write those kind of words because it's uh-huh. like, well, I haven't been to a class right. <laughs> in how long. I, I mean, it's just, it's so uh, interesting, but. <laughs> yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see how and if authors adapt their books to mm-hmm. it because in some ways, I don't want to read any mention of it and anything that I'm mm-hmm. reading right now. You know, it's refreshing to have an escape where I can go to the beach or I can, yeah. um, you know, go to a summer cottage and not have to think about any of this. And I'm not sure I want to pick up a, next, a book next year and feel like, mm-hmm. oh, right, this is when we're in quarantine or um, I don't know. It's not the same kind of release. So, mm-hmm. but I hear you about taking those things into consideration when you're working on your new book. My new book for next year actually is set at a hotel and there's nothing oh. in there about, you know, sanitizing. Everything. I just don't know yeah. how I'm going to even um, incorporate that if at all. I mean, I'll probably have yeah. to mention it somehow, but I don't want it to make it, you know, a big issue in the book itself. Right. So, anyway. Right. That is that is very true. That is something to think about, like how in the next coming years, I mean, even just because I mean, this is history. Uh-huh. It, it, it will have to go into books so, somehow, so, some little way, whether you talk more about cleaning or right. someone just remembers that time where we couldn't right. see anyone for uh-huh. months on end. Or I don't know. It's, it is going to be interesting to see how authors kind of work their way into it. But it's also kind of nice. and. Like, even though I am struggling to write, it's also kind of nice to go to a world where this isn't happening. Right, right. <laughs> so exactly. kind of get lost. And yeah. my book is set in Chicago and just kind of 
get lost in a city that is always mm-hmm. busy and loves yep. sports. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so another thing I find interesting is to hear about an author's process. Cause I think a lot of people are, um, very different, but like, especially with best behavior, you know, how did that story start to form? Or do you write every day while working on a manuscript? Do you use any special programs? If there's anything you want to share, I think that'd be so interesting. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm trying to think because it's been so long since I've actually been <laughs> in my routine. But, um, you know, when when my son was at school, typically I would write in the mornings. And so I would mm-hmm. try to write from 8.30 till 1 or so. Um, mm-hmm. And then the rest of the day was usually spent, you know, ferrying him to hockey practice or soccer mm-hmm. practice or whatever. Um, and and I don't, you know, I know some authors still like to write longhand. I do everything on the computer. So mm-hmm. I just have my little laptop and that's, and I typically um, sit at our long, we have sort of a long farmer's table in the dining room and I sit there and drink multiple cups of coffee and, um, and that's where I do most of my writing. So, um, and now, now I really, you know, I'll, I'll sort of, sometimes I jot things down ideas or, um, just certain, um, I don't know, images that I think, Oh, I'd like to include that in my book somewhere. And I'll, I have a little notebook that I care, carry around with me. And, and so, that's that's about as much writing as I've been doing these days. Um, but I try, you know, I do try to have a routine where I do most of my writing in the mornings, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the same. I feel like I have to do things in the morning just because mm-hmm. even like I work out in the morning because mm-hmm. it's like otherwise I don't I, – I just don't think I'm going to do it. So whenever I have a word count goal on my list, usually um, – I try to do it in the morning because you just get so busy with your day and everything else. And I mean, it's just, I don't know. Um, and this is a really weird question, but <laughs> do you, cause I get asked it a lot. I'll get people asking me, you know, where do you actually write your book? Like, do you have like a software or a program? And I'm like, no, I write in Microsoft word. I'm like, is that really weird? So I'm like, where do you write? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I'm very old school Microsoft word. It. Um, yeah, I, d- I mean, just even having a microphone my, for my computer is, is high <laughs> technology for me. So, um, yeah, I don't have anything fancy and I wish I did. I, you know, I know some authors have a special pencil that they use or a special pen <laughs> or, um, I don't know, red licorice is like my one go-to, I guess, when I'm trying to oh, meet a funny. deadline or doing revisions. Um, so yeah, I have a huge sweet tooth. But other than that, there's really not much that's interesting about my writing yeah. style or, um, you know, I guess just always be sure to save things. That's my one piece of advice. Yes. Always save it on a, another desk, another thumb drive, because you yes. just never know. You when your son know. is going to go on your computer or your husband and something's going to crash. And, oh, yeah. I, I am way too familiar with this. I've, I went through like four laptops in six oh, months and uh, luckily I had started to save things like in my drive and like on yeah. the cloud and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But Oh yeah. And I love that you said that you write Microsoft Word because especially when I get people like listing all these different programs, they're like, have you downloaded this or that? I'm like, yeah, I write in Microsoft (laughs) Word and um, it works pretty well for me. So yeah, (laughs) because when people ask like, you know, how do I, like what font do I use and all of that? I was like, yeah, I hire out for that. Like I hire someone to put it all together for Uh me to make it into a book. I just write it in Microsoft Word. (laughs) Right. Because that's a whole different question. That's the production side of it. Yeah. yeah. And I have zero clue about that. That's the foreign language to me. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think, yeah. Uh, I think some Not people, so if they have highly illustrated books or things like that, then they probably need yeah. to be um, more up to speed on those things. But um, yeah, yeah, no, just general you, word processing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Do you write in like, like you know, I'll say chronological order for your book? Like, do you do chapter mm. one, chapter uh, two, or do you like kind of mix it around? That's a good question. I think every book has been different for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. 
I try to do it chronologically, but sometimes there'll be a chapter that I'll just wake up in the morning and I'll think, oh, I've got to get this down before I forget mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I let myself go out of order if I feel like it. Um, yeah. And, you know, lots of people ask, well, do you plot your books out? Do you outline them mm-hmm. beforehand? And I don't. I wish I could. I wish I was one of those people. I were one of those people Same. where I, I had no cards that detailed every chapter and what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But plot is is strangely almost secondary to me. And I think for me, a book always starts with the characters in mind and the setting. The setting is, Mm -hmm. is as important to me, I think as the characters. And so Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking about those two things. And I have a rough idea of where I want the characters to end up, but I don't always know necessarily how they're going to get there. And so Um, I've had this conversation before with other people that, you know, I've got my husband in the background who's all about plot. And so he's always yeah. coming up with ideas for, you know, what should happen and someone should be murdered or something. That's not the kind of book I write. But sometimes, you know, over dinner, it will sound really good after a couple of glasses of wine and I might go up and revise <laughs> yeah. a chapter and then I'll wake up the next morning and think, what was I thinking? This is not my style at all. So. Um. Yeah, he um like in the last book, the summer sale. That was one where three room college roommates get together twenty years later yeah. for a reunion on a cruise to Bermuda, and you know it's about their relationships and their friendships. And my husband, of course, said, "Well, you should really have someone fall off, right, and get attacked, <laughs> and they have to rescue them." So that's where the book would have gone in his, in his view, that would have been a much more exciting book, but, um, Oh my gosh, that's funny. So yes. And I, I loved the summer sale. Like when you were talking about like how it starts with the setting, the summer sale immediately popped into my mind because I was like, the cruise ship was so like, I just thought that that's a book that can, like, I'll continue to think about it because I think about the characters and where they you know, eventually ended up and how things, you know, I don't want to spoil anything because I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying that I, I'll suggest that book and I do have a review on Chiclet Plus. I can Aww. link in the show notes too, but it was one that, you know, I closed it and I was like, oh, I just really wonder what happened next, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that was well, such a fun to one to that. read. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. You're such a great supporter of that book. And it, it was a yeah. fun one to write because, because of cruise and Bermuda and, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't we all wish we were there right now, but, um, yeah, 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 yeah. The, I sorry. feel like we're so similar, <laughs> like just as you were talking about, you know, you try to write in your order, but every once in a while, like I'll, I mean, I'll just be in the most random spot. I have so many notes on my phone mm-hmm. um, because sometimes I'm not around pen and paper and I will just start scribbling. Like I can all of a sudden just hear a character yelling at another one. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. got, like, I have no idea where this is going to work <laughs> into the book, but like, it's part of it. Down. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the yeah. fun part, isn't it? When I think that's when I know a book is really working and it'd be mm-hmm. interesting. It's, maybe it's the same way for you is that the characters do start to follow you around, right? Mm-hmm. They follow you into the grocery store or when I go downstairs to do the laundry and, and, and I'm thinking about them. And so yeah, that's when I know sort of the story has connected and yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it's a good feeling, I think, because sometimes it takes a while to get really into your story and your characters. Yeah. But once that happens, yeah. you feel like you're on yeah. the right track. And even like you said about, you know, you don't always plot everything. I used to try so hard because, you know, I would read advice from other right. authors and, you know, somebody would say, you know, take out your note cards and mm-hmm. plot out chapter one and what's going to happen, how it's going to end. And I would do that. And then I'd start to write a book and things are going all over the place. And I'm like, I'm not following my note cards. And finally, I'm like, throw your note cards away. Like, you can't. And it's like, yeah, that's so liberating. Yeah. Yeah. I've described it before as like sometimes when I write, I almost kind of like black out and I Mm -hmm. don't really, I'm not paying attention to what I'm writing. It's just the characters are coming through me. And there's times where, I'll get done writing and I'll reread the chapter and I'm laughing. I'm like, what? You wrote that? That's funny. Like I had no recollection of writing that. That's great. (laughs) So so it's so nice to hear someone say they kind of work the same way because I I feel bad when people ask me for tips on, you know, plotting. I'm like, gosh, I really have no – like, you you know, like you said, I haven't – I know who my characters are and I know – 
why they're doing it. And in most sense, I have an idea of how the story is going to going to end, but I don't really know why they're going from point A to point B or if anything's going to pop up in between there. So you just got to write and see what happens. Yeah. Well, the characters, (laughs) right. The characters lead the way, I think. And it is such an organic process unless you're plotting a very involved mystery or something like that, where you really do have to make sure everything matches up. But um, yeah, yeah. um, What's to me, that's what makes it both so fun and so frustrating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with that, too. There is times where I wish I could plot. Like, if I'm stuck on something, I'm like, if you would have just brainstormed, right. like, you could have come up with something. But yep. yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay. Well, this was such a fun chat i think like thank you so much for coming on i feel like you had so much knowledge and it was just so fun to hear about your process and i mean just everything thank you so much for taking the time to do this of course and thank you so much for having me i just i love talking with you and it is it is fun to compare notes and yeah authors are um handling this whole pandemic and how it affects your writing and all that. So yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, Do you want to tell listeners where they can find you and where they can find your books? Oh, sure. Um, Let's see. So I'll have to think think about that. That's awful. Um, (laughs) So I have a website that's wendyfrancisauthor.com. I am slowly getting up to speed on Instagram. Um, and let's see my my Instagram handle. What do you call it? It's um yeah, it's Wendy Francis author as well. Amazing. Twitter is Wendy Francis four, and then my Facebook author page is probably where I post the most up, and that's Wendy Francis author as well. Amazing. All right, jumping into the segments for this week, I wanted to feature the beauty word, which is where I give a beauty recommendation. And I do have a new skincare product that I want to share with you this week. This one was actually a subscribers made me buy it. I got a lot of comments of people recommending this facial spray to me. And I thought, I looked at the reviews and thought, okay, I'll give it a try. I bought the mini just to test it out and have actually almost gone through it. And I am going to purchase the full because I have been loving the Tower 28 SOS Save Our Skin Daily Rescue Facial Spray. So Tower 28 is actually a newer brand to me. I also had quite a few people recommend other products from them, such as their blushes, their bronzers, highlighters. I ended up picking up a blush in the Sephora Spring Savings event. And this is a cream blush that you can use on your cheeks and you can also use it on your lips. So it's kind of a multi-purpose product. But I also got in quite a few comments from people saying that they really recommend this SOS spray. And I looked at it and I looked at the reviews and quite a few reviews talked about how this spray really helped with hormonal acne, which is something that I have been struggling with for several months now. You can tell when you are dealing with hormonal acne because that is acne that really uh, pops up around your mouth, your chin, your jawline area. And it's very frustrating. A lot of it can be more cystic also, which is under the skin and very painful. And that is what I've been dealing with for a long time. I have sought out dermatologists. I have sought out my regular physician for help. And it has been a struggle. So I picked up the mini version, which was $12 for one ounce of product. The full size, you get four ounces for $28. But a lot of times with skincare, if I'm trying something new, I try to purchase the mini first just to get an idea of it. In my latest Sephora haul, which if you do enjoy makeup hauls, I can link my latest Sephora haul in my show notes but I picked up quite a few products from Tatcha and I got minis of all of them because I was like, you know what? I don't know if this dewy skin cream is going to work well for me. Instead of spending $68 right off the bat for a huge jug of product, why don't I spend 
a lot less dollars, get a smaller amount, but I can test it out and see if it would be worth it for me to purchase the full size. I always recommend that when it comes to skincare, if you're trying something new. But like I said, I have almost gone through this product and I will be purchasing a full size of it. I use mine morning and night. After I'm done cleansing my skin, I apply the spray and I wait a few minutes to let it really sink in before I go along with the rest of my skincare routine. But this says it's a soothing, supporting, and nurturing rescue treatment that is good for any skin that needs help. Some of the highlighted ingredients are... Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not really going to be the best at uh, pronouncing these, but we have hypochlorous acid that supports and nurtures your body to diminish the appearance, the appearance of inflammation and bacteria, and then also water and sodium chloride, which is going to help support the body. So basically, the ingredients are going to kind of focus on the bad bacteria that is on your face and help get rid of that, which helps your skin to not have as many breakouts. Now, also with the that hypochlorous acid, this says it is naturally produced by the body's immune system as the first line of defense to help fight the appearance of redness and bad bacteria. So that ingredient is very important and I don't see that a lot in my other skincare products. I've definitely, I, I definitely look at the ingredients more in the skincare that I'm using. I Google a lot to see what different things are. And this is just an ingredient that I don't see very often in some of my skincare. And I was very intrigued by that, especially with pairing it with the reviews of people saying that it helped their hormonal acne and it helped their redness. I was having my own subscribers recommend this to me, and I thought, I'm just going to give this a try. So I started using this morning and night, and I think that it is working out so well for me. I'm definitely having a lot less breakouts. I can see that my redness is starting to turn itself around. I do struggle with having a lot of pigmentation left over from my, you know, especially really bad cystic breakouts. So I'm really trying to reverse that and get back to my clear skin. Now, definitely a lot goes into skincare. I have also tried really hard to clean up my diet as of recently. If you would like a podcast episode about that and what I've been doing with my diet, what I've been cutting out and what I've been putting in, I could definitely do an episode like that. I did a seven-day ab challenge and I recorded myself each day doing this for my YouTube channel and that video went live recently. But I also talked about how the challenge, which was started by Cassie or Blogilates, how it focused not only on abs and cardio, but also drinking enough water and what foods you're putting in your body. So I challenged myself during that week to really give it a shot. And I have been doing a lot better on eating a little bit cleaner. Uh, eliminating some things that I would eat every single day. And I think that is, that is also really helping with my skin. So definitely wanted to say that as well. But this is a product that I've been using consistently every single day, morning and night. And I am definitely noticing such an improvement on my skin. And I'm so thrilled about that. So again, I will be purchasing the full size of it too. I know there is a little bit of a scent when I first sprayed on my face, and it's kind of almost more of your chlorine scent, um, which is coming from the sodium chloride. But it does fade. Like once the um, once the spray settles into my skin, I don't smell it anymore. So it's not like I'm walking around smelling like chlorine. Uh, but also a little bit goes a long way. And I didn't realize this at first because I was doing like five sprays on my face, but it's actually it's almost kind of like a thicker liquid that comes out. And so you really don't need a ton of sprays. So I wished I would have been a little bit more cognizant in the beginning instead of just spraying my face everywhere. Um, but a little bit goes a long way. You can kind of tap it in if you need to. But I have been so happy with this one. If you do struggle with hormonal acne, this could be something uh, to, to give a shot to. I would definitely recommend the Tower 28 spray. The ingredients definitely intrigued me, and I'm really glad that I've been enjoying this one so much. And I will also link that one in the show notes. Did want to finish off this week's podcast episode with the segment about the 30 day challenge. So, 
If you are a new listener and you haven't heard my podcast episode about how to create a 30-day challenge calendar, that is just a few episodes back, and I can also put that in the show notes, but I highly recommend that you listen to that one. I have been creating a 30-day challenge calendar for myself since last summer, and it's been something that really has changed things for the better for me, and I highly recommend it. I've done a couple challenges publicly and in my community, a Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash secret Sam squad. And of course that will be linked also, but I just so firmly believe in this. So for the month of May, I did a whole episode about how to create, create your own calendar and giving you tips and ideas from the ones that I create. But also I have a segment each week talking about something that you can focus on for the calendar that you made. And you don't have to wait till the, the beginning of the month to make your calendar. You can make it right now. You can start it today. You can start it tomorrow and just go from 30 days from there. So I highly recommend that you do this. But as we wind down towards the end of the month, now is a great time to start looking over your calendar and seeing what you want to add for your next 30 days. So you don't have to make your calendar right now, but you can definitely start to make a list of what worked really well for you um, or a list of what are some things that you didn't quite get to and maybe how can you put them into smaller pieces so you can put them on your calendar for next month and achieve those things. You know, I always recommend some of our goals that we have, even though they might not seem like big, gigantic goals, they can still be a little bit bigger or a little bit more time consuming. How can we break them down into really small pieces so we can accomplish them throughout the month? And the example that I use is how I wanted to organize my pantry. And so instead of just saying, I'm going to organize my pantry one day this month, I broke it down into really, really small pieces because otherwise I knew I just wasn't going to get it done. So one day was just throwing out things that are old, expired, we don't use. Um, Another day was uh, organizing all of the appliances that are in there. Another day is wiping everything down. I mean, it was like really, really small pieces, but I just know for myself, I'm not the person that I'm like, I'm just going to go spend an hour or 90 minutes reorganizing my pantry. I had to do it in small baby steps, but I ended up getting it done that way. So is there something that you had on your calendar for this month that you didn't get to or um, that you really wanted to cross off, but you just, you, you couldn't find the time or the energy or whatever it may be? How can you take that and break it down into even smaller pieces, but start to make your list for next month? What are some items that you want to put on for your daily list for you to accomplish that day? And again, not every day has to be a huge thing. Not every day has to be a huge goal. Um, But I just think putting something down on your calendar so you can have it in mind and you can look forward to it every day and have a sense of purpose every day when you wake up, you look at your calendar and you think, okay, this is what I'm going to get done today. I think that it's such an important thing. So start to look that over. Start to plan out your list of what your calendar is going to include next month. And thank you again to everyone who keeps continuing to write into me. My emails, I'm, I really am trying to get back to them as fast as I can. I've been getting quite a few emails to the Start Inspired email, and I think I'm doing a pretty good job keeping up with them. Uh, But it's also a new email address. So sometimes I just I need to write it on my list to make sure to just at least check it once a day, because sometimes it'll be a couple days. I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't even clicked on that email um, to to see what new what new messages have come in. But I, I really appreciate you guys writing in there, and I love being able to help people on this sort of thing because it's something that helped me out so much. So of course, if you have any questions or comments or feedback, you can always reach out to me anywhere on social media, uh, or you can email me in directly to the Start Inspired Podcast at gmail.com. All right. So that is where I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Rendy Francis. I had so much fun talking to her. Please make sure to check out her books, including her new one, Best Behavior, which is on sale now. And I also hope you enjoyed the beauty word and the little segment about the 30-day challenge calendar, which I think is so important. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you will rate and review and subscribe if you haven't yet on wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And until next week, I'll talk to you guys later.